Welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send your questions to Facebook or Twitter uh, at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. Well, today is Tuesday, November 3rd, and it is officially Election Day. Uh, so I'm sure you all know this. Uh, but if you haven't voted yet, uh, try to get to the polls uh, and vote in the next few hours. Yeah, vote, 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> the vote, vote, vote. I sent a thing out to the SWAT guys to vote. Um, anyway, um, you know, I. I, I I was, you and I haven't been together for a few days because uh, we've replayed Al Mohler, replayed Tommy Nelson, and replayed uh, Wayne Grudem. And, you know, I got to go back and listen. Because when you're interviewing guys, Mm. you a lot of times stuff just blows right by you. But they were all very insightful uh, interviews and about our responsibility to vote. And, you know, I know one pastor said over the weekend, it's a sin for Christians not to vote mm. because they're not exercising their influence. Um, I, I don't know. I guess you could make a case for that. I think it's probably like the meat, you mm. know, uh, conscience yeah. may lead you not to. But um, anyway, uh, we do have a response, a privilege to vote. And a lot of countries don't get to choose their leaders. They don't get to vote on that. They don't have peaceful transitions of power. And um, and so I do encourage you, get out and vote today. Whether you're in Virginia, Mississippi, uh, out west, vote, vote, vote. Well, you have the privilege to do it. Take advantage of it. Go cast your vote and um, go out and let your voice be heard. And then trust God with the results. And Lori and I were talking the other day about, you know, uh, you and I, We've been talking about politics, especially during the first segment, as we normally talk about um, cultural issues and stuff. That's been the biggest cultural thing we've been dealing with. Mm -hmm. And um, this has been the most uh, decisive, not decisive, divisive election that I ever remember. Yeah. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I know you're not near (laughs) as old as I am, but uh, anyway, uh, you've got people threatening. I mean, they're boarding up businesses. Uh, people are afraid of riots. There's uh, people saying they're going to riot afterwards yeah. if certain people get elected versus other people. Or if it's if it's in doubt. Yeah, I think, you know, there's people who've said they're they're rioting pretty much regardless, you know. Well, and, you know, there was somebody who posted something recently that I thought was pretty insightful from President Lincoln. Now, it was before he was president. In fact, he was only uh, 28 at the time. Mm. But people who were 28 back in his day Mm. were a lot more mature, I think, than people who are 28 today. They were a lot more Mm well-read, well-educated. And Lincoln, um, 
understood the importance of the law. Here's the guy that basically led to the freedom of slavery, mm-hmm. right? A freedom for the slaves in our country. And uh, But he also understood mob rule, and he hated it. He absolutely hated it. And he believed that the government had an obligation to protect people from mob rule. Now, we've seen over the last six months that hasn't happened. Yeah. And, you know, that is never the way our founding fathers would have wanted us to deal with issues we have. And they set up checks and balances. And I think most people would agree that it works. It's not perfect. There's no system that is. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, Lincoln um, gave an address back in 1938 on how to continue our political institutions. In other words, how they keep going. And he said that mobs are enemies of the law-abiding citizen, plain and simple. And, um, you know, he, he said that the government uh, is the deadliest bane of the mob. Mm. And um, so he... He said, while on the one other hand, good men, men who love tranquility, who desire to abide by the law and enjoy the benefits, who would gladly spill their blood in the defense of their country, seeing their property destroyed, their families insulted, and their lives endangered, their persons injured, and seeing nothing in prospect that forebodes a change for the better, becomes tired and disgusted with a government that offers no protection. And are not much averse to a change in which they imagine they have nothing else to lose. Mm. I think that aptly describes what we've seen go on in the last month. Yeah. I think a lot of people have risen up and said, we don't want this. We don't want the Black Lives Matter organization. No, we believe Black Lives Matter. But we believe that there's nefarious influences that are trying to take advantage of of people and take advantage of situations and come in and destroy a form of government that has given hope, prosperity, and uh, the pursuit of happiness to millions of people over the last 200-plus years. And, you know, uh, Lincoln goes on to say that whenever this effect um, shall be produced among us, Whenever the vicious portion of population is permitted to gather in bands of hundreds and thousands and burn churches, ravage and rob stores, throw printing presses into rivers, shoot editors, hang and burn obnoxious people at pleasure. Does this sound familiar at all? And with impunity, depend on it. This government cannot last. And so... He wrote. Um, he said that in 1838. Yeah, hmm. and he said that hence the military department. If some men will kill or beat or constrain others or despoil them of property by force, fraud, or noncompliance with contracts, it is a common object with peaceful and just men to prevent it. Hence the criminal and civil departments. Days after the Baltimore riots against Massachusetts and Pennsylvania back in 1861. That's what they did. And Lincoln replied to people. People from Baltimore back then sent a delegation up there to say, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Mm. You got to let them do what they're going to do. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Here's what Lincoln said. You gentlemen come here to me and you ask for peace on any terms, and yet you have no word of condemnation for those who are making war on us. 
you express great horror of bloodshed and yet would not lay a straw in the way of those who were organizing in Virginia and elsewhere to capture the city. You know, and he, he goes on to basically say, keep your rowdies in Baltimore and there will be no bloodshed. He says, go home, tell your people if they will not attack, then we will not attack. But if they do attack, then we will return it and severely. I mean, so he basically says, we can't go on like this. And why am I bringing that up now? Because there has been a lot of threats of what's going to happen after election. Now, there's two things going on here. There's a political, governmental responsibility. There's a spiritual responsibility Mm -hmm. Uh, for us as believers. If we serve in the government, then we have a duty to protect the people of this country. Uh, If, if we don't as citizens, we still have a duty to protect those that are within our influence to protect. Uh, We have a, um, a duty to make our voice known to help those who are being hurt. And if businesses are being burned and root, uh, uh, you know, eluded and rioting and all that because people uh, don't like what's going on. Uh, that's unacceptable. And I think you're going to see uh, people aren't going to put up with it. And now the spiritual aspect is believers. We pray, we trust God with results, and we are to be peacemakers as much as it depends on us. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you stand by and you let somebody maul you let somebody hurt yeah. or, or destroy somebody that you don't do that. And, and so I, I don't think our government is going to allow that going forward. I think, um, they're going to say enough's enough. I think they allowed it for a while because election stuff, but the mm-hmm. elections today's the elections over. I mean, you can vote till tonight, but after tonight, whatever it is, we've got to come together as a country and especially believers have to be leaders in sanity <laughs> yeah. and civil civility, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'd be interested. I know we only, we got to go to a break, but I, I don't know if we will come together as a country. It, to me, it feels more and more like we're two nations trying to occupy the same land, um, and I, I think regardless of who wins, that's not going to change. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think that the church has a responsibility to try to be that uh, voice of reconciliation and. Uh, so hopefully we as Christians do that. You well, know? Do, do you do you remember Alexander Solzhenitsyn? You mm. ever heard of him, the mm-hmm. Russian dissident? Well, he warned the West back in 1983 that the tide of secularism, which has inundated our country and our really our culture, said this gradual sapping of strength from within is a threat to faith that is more dangerous than any attempt to assault religion religion violently from the outside Mm. and boy has that proven true and where did it really start in our universities and our high schools and our education system where you've been a part of and you've seen how liberal it is now there's good teachers there there's people of faith within those realms but a lot of times even the people of faith get uh, persuaded to have a more secularistic view. When we come back, I want you to weigh in on that a little bit. We'll talk just a little before we get into Hebrews chapter 12 at the end today. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. Uh, You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We will be right back. 
If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. Sky traced out by the city lights, my world from a mile high. Best seat in the house tonight. Touchdown in the cold black top. Hold on for the sudden stop. Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos. All those people going somewhere. Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 Step out on a busy street See a girl in our eyes meet Does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell you That is Give Me Your Eyes by Brandon Heath Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we were talking um, before the break about the election, as it is Election Day, and we usually take the first uh, segment of each day to talk about the current events, the news. And so uh, we've been talking about the election and how important it is for us to exercise our uh, right and how it's uh, a duty um, to vote. And, yeah, and uh, you were saying that, uh, well, I read that quote by Solzhenitsyn, yeah. and I was talking about he, you know, how he he said that secularism will lead to a collapse from the inside, which is a greater threat than the external threats. Mm-hmm. And it's proven true, I think, in our country. I think what we're seeing is a result of really since the 1960s a, a, a pulling out of prayer and God out of our public schools. It was a part of it forever. Mm-hmm. And a multiculturalism that's not the healthy kind 
uh, of of accepting people for who they are, but we've made every religion equal to importance as Christianity. Yeah. Instead of being a country that was founded on, you know, to hold office in the United States prior to, I don't know, I think it was the 40s or 50s, you had to be a believer. Mm. You had to be a professing Christian. Uh, I mean, so that was a part of our, our fabric of our country. Yeah. And now that has been eroded because we've incorporated. It's almost like how the people of Israel allowed all these other religions to come in. They were no longer monotheistic. They no longer believed in just the one true living God. Mm-hmm. They had to cover their bases with Asherah and with the Baals and all this. And God was constantly reprimanding them for that. And he eventually got to the point. He said, okay, you want to do this? Then you go trust those gods. I'm going to let you experience what life is like as a captive in those cultures. And you can see, and for us, and this is what Lori was saying the other day. I mean, God is ultimately in control of our country. I did love what uh, vice president Pence said the other night, last night, uh, his last speech, he said, you know, if we will humble ourselves mm-hmm. and pray and seek the Lord God of heaven and, and, and repent, maybe God will be merciful to us as a nation because, um, you know, and I know there's people uh, on both sides of the ideology perspective that some people think Biden's better spiritually for our country, uh, but most evangelicals don't. Mm-hmm. And um, most most evangelicals believe that the current president with Mike Pence up there is a better um, fit for believers that's going to be better overall for our culture. And Wayne Grudem made that point very well yesterday. I don't know how anybody could really argue with what he was saying because it it has proved true over time. You've seen he's is is on a personal level as tough as he is to listen to sometimes because of things he says. His policies have he's done what he said he's going to do, mm-hmm. and uh, with the other side they flip flop a lot, and you don't really know what you're getting. Uh, but we do know this that there's a very liberal uh, progressive agenda that wants to to take us even more secular, more uh, affirming of LGBTQ rights, mm-hmm. legislated immorality from our government, uh, legislated abortion from our government, legislated things that are contrary to God's word that would ultimately make it um, uh, a crime to speak out against these things. Yeah, And so... You know, uh, Taylor, I was just thinking of A.W. Tozier, who said this a long time ago. He said, the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. But he added this. He said that um, it's far worse to believe wrongly about God than not to believe in him at all. And I think there's a large part of our country that believe wrongly about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. They don't have the right belief because they're biblically illiterate. They don't mm-hmm. know who God is. They don't know him personally. They just know about him. They have a form of godliness denying his power. And the whole writer to Hebrews is addressing a group of people like that who are part of a faith community, even though they're not all bought in. They're just there, like so many people are in churches across our country. And and so what we have to do as true believers, if you're in that category 
of being somebody who has surrendered to Jesus Christ and you're all in with him is you have to run the right kind of race. Because if you're running a performance race versus a faith race, then people around you are not going to be drawn to Jesus. They're going to look at you and they're going to think, why would I want to do that? I'm already trying. I mean, I'm already Mm -hmm. doing the best I can. The difference between believers is a lot like that bumper sticker, you know, that says Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. Mm. That's a picture. And I know we laugh about that, but the truth is that is in essence the faith race Mm -hmm. that we know we can't bring anything to God. And the writer in this 12th chapter verses 18 through 29 gives the fifth warning uh, of five warnings to this faith community that he's writing to. And he says, don't reject Jesus. And and, and he, he gives them, uh, he just to continue this race analogy, he describes two finish lines, one at Sinai, one at Zion. So there's two races. The, the performance race takes you to Mount Sinai. It's a different track. Like, you know, when you go to these arcades, you see video game or, or driving race cars. You can pick which track mm. you're going to run on. Well, it's the same thing he's saying. You can run to Sinai or you can run to Zion. And they're two different races. And so the question I would have for our listeners as we start this today and look at this is, how would you describe the race that you're actually running? I mean, how would those around you describe it? A better question, because they're the ones who are watching, right? Yeah. Um, do you run more performance-based? Do you? I did this, so God should do this? That's what performance means. You get something because you do something. Or is it faith-based? Is it, I get this and I don't deserve it? I think a lot of us can gravitate over to the performance thinking, even if we may be all in. And he's writing to to warn these believers and those who were posers or the ones who are not fully all in. You got to run the faith race, not the performance race. And and so, as we think about this, I want to give you some ideas to think about in this text. Eighteen through twenty nine. We'll come back from the break, and uh, I'll have you read that text. But as we're running the faith race, God reveals there's two races we can run, and he reveals there's two responses we can have and two results that are going to happen as a result of what whatever we do. There's always a result to the race. Mm-hmm. And so there's two races you can run. There's two responses we can have to the race and the way he tells us to run it. And then there's two results that are going to happen, and that's what we're going to look at and as we do that, I just want to remind the listeners of the five warnings again and the overall theme of Hebrews. The overall theme of the letter is that Jesus is supreme to everything. And he gives five warnings to these um, believers and those who are not believers but are a part of the faith community who intellectually have bought in to Jesus but have not yet fully surrendered their life. The first warning is in chapter 2 where he says, Don't drift from the message. Don't neglect the message that's been given to you. Don't drift away from it. Keep coming back to it because it's the message that has life, and it's Jesus is supreme to everything. Second warning is in chapter 3 where he says, don't harden your heart. That is unbelief. He's telling them to keep believing in the one true living God. He loves you, and he wants you in relationship with him. Third warning is in chapter 5 and 6 where he says, don't waver. 
Uh, don't keep going back and forth between your traditions and, and your past and, and all this stuff. Let Jesus be who he's supposed to be, the go-between between you and Almighty God. The fourth warning was in chapter 10 where he says don't be an apostate. In other words, don't receive all this knowledge that makes you then more responsible and reject it. And then today we see the fifth warning, which is don't reject Jesus. So really this text today is a tale of two races, performance versus faith. And so when we come back from the break, we're going to actually look at Mount Zion and Mount Sinai and why they're two vastly different races. And hopefully um, if people are just tuning in for the first time, they will be able to uh, just even pick it up here and understand that what God wants more than anything is them to place their faith in Jesus and not themselves. Because uh, we live in a culture, don't we, that places our faith in ourselves? Yep. Yeah, I mean, we everything we do kind of points to that. Our mm-hmm. school, you were a school teacher, right? Yeah. I mean, everything is kind of performance-based, isn't it? Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, you are talking about uh, running, and it's kind of funny. Me and my sister were talking the other day. And, you know, the person who ran the fastest uh, marathon averaged a four-minute thir- uh, four and 30-second mile. And I think a lot of times we uh, might run one mile at like five minutes and 30 seconds and look at God and say, look, I did it. I'm good. You know, but the reality is that if we run that race based off of Mount Zion and trying to obey the law, like that's. You mean Mount Sinai? Yeah. When I say Zion, Mount Sinai, uh, then, you know, we're, it's an impossibility and that that's only been accomplished by Christ. One person throughout history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, that's what I was thinking when you were talking about running races well and you ran the other day you went for a run i called you and you said you'd gone for a run and you 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 only ran three miles yeah. and you said you were hurting a little yeah. bit right weren't you yeah, yeah. so can i can imagine, imagine 26. can you imagine 26 yeah. at four man a half yeah. minute pace but see here's the beautiful part about this whole text is he's just wanting us to run the race yeah we're, we're not competing with other people it's almost like golf in sense we're we're, we're out there. We're either running the race or we're not. Yeah. It's not how fast we run it. He wants us running. Yeah. Up, so. All right. Stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking and Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. If you're listening to SWAT Radio, stay tuned.
that is David Crowder with all my hope. Welcome back to <laughs> SWAT Radio. Uh, yeah. Steve, are you asleep over there? Our, uh, Steve, our producer, I think with, that was just like a, I felt like I jumped off a cliff there. Did you feel like that? Yeah, we were was, listening to David Crowder, all my hope, yeah. and then all of a sudden it just went. Yep. So anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Uh, we are talking about Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 18 through 29 this week, and today we'll be looking at uh, verses 18 through 24. And just before the break, uh, Doug was going over kind of a recap of Hebrews and then getting into um, this passage, talking about the, the two races that we um, can run, the, the race of Mount Sinai or the race of Mount Zion, and uh, just touching up on the differences between those two. Um, so that's where we're at. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, you can listen on our podcast, uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, or you can go to www.swatradio.com. That is www.swatradio.com. In a few hours after the program, uh, it'll be up and you can listen to it there. Yeah, and thanks so much to James Grimm out west who handles all of our um, postings and putting that stuff up. I don't know where we would be without him. I really appreciate him uh, for doing that. And uh, thanks, James. And, uh, you know, you do a great job. I appreciate appreciate you uh, for doing that. Uh, one other thing, Taylor, before I jump into this text is, uh, I, I would like to ask people uh, to pray for our country today, pray for our leaders, pray for uh, believers to let their voice be heard, and then uh, pray that uh, we would respond to whatever mm. God reveals he's going to do uh, as believers, as yeah. peacemakers, and as people who are people of faith uh, as we look at. And also, my mom and dad, uh, I believe, have covid Mm. That my mom's not been doing very well, and so I would ask uh, people to pray for today. I'd appreciate your prayers for my mom. I know they listen. I don't know if they're listening today, but I always appreciate their encouragement. Yeah. Uh, in Mississippi, they listen on WMER. Thank you to Miss Mary. I know she listens there, and all the people in Meridian that listen. And uh, I also appreciate the people up on the Lighthouse, and uh, we're praying for you guys up in Virginia as well. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, this race thing, running the race of faith, we, we talk about two races. One is performance. One is faith. One is Mount Sinai. One is Mount Zion. And to be honest with you, Taylor, until I really studied this and even went over to Israel and looked at, at you know, at least Mount, Mount Zion does not, uh, you know, you think Mount Zion, you think of this big mountain and it's really mm-hmm. a hill. It's not a big mountain at all. It's near Mount Moriah. But the writer is using these two pictures for these people to understand the difference between performance and faith. And what God has always called his people to is faith. That was the thing. When God got angry at people for worshiping idols, it was not simply for disobeying him. It was because they didn't have faith in him. Mm-hmm. They were trusting idols, not him. And I think so often when our circumstances go awry, when we encounter things that are beyond our control that cause us to panic or fear, that that, that we we don't trust God anymore. We, we don't trust him with things that we don't like. We don't trust him that, with things we can't change. 
And boy, if there's ever been a time right now for believers in the world to show the world that, listen, we want to exercise our constitutional right to vote, but our faith is not in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. Joe Biden or Donald Trump are not our saviors. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is our savior. He's our king. And ultimately, he is the one I'm ultimately loyal to above everything else. And I'll I'll tell you, I I had a chance uh, earlier today. I I was putting on something. And as I went to put it on, I knew when I put it on, today it would be offensive to people. Any other day, it might not have been, but today for sure it would have been offensive to people. And it wasn't a MAGA hat, just I'll tell you right <laughs> out. It wasn't that. But it was something that uh, I cared deeply about. But I knew today it wouldn't. And I got out of my truck to go to the YMCA, and I was nudged, I believe, by the Spirit to don't do that today. Mm. And I said, okay, God, that's easy. I just went back and I took it off. And we have that opportunity going forward for the next few days, months, and who knows how long, that as you feel nudged by the Spirit, let God's Spirit lead you to walk by faith and not by your sight or your pride. Yeah. And to just say, okay, God, I want I want to obey you. Because faith illustrates our obedience to God. When we trust him, we do what he wants us to do. We're not perfect. But our desire is to obey him. So he lays out these two races we can run in verses 18 through 24, one to Mount Sinai, one to Mount Zion. So I'm going to have you read it and then come back, and we're going to talk about uh, these two races, and we're going to talk about the seven benefits of running the Zion race when we come back, okay? All right. So, for you have not come to what may be touched, a a blazing fire in darkness and gloom in a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearts beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festival gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteousness made perfect, and to Jesus the the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkling blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So what he's saying here at the first, he says, you haven't come to this mountain. He's writing them to tell them, you haven't come to Sinai if, if you're in the faith race. Sinai, and he gives them a mental picture, and you got to go back to Exodus 19, uh, verses 10 through 16, to really read uh, in detail what he's talking about, because he's kind of paraphrasing it. It was characterized by smoke. It was characterized by fire, by uh, the shaking of the earth. Now, think about that. If you've, uh, if you've never been in an earthquake, people I've talked to people who have survived earthquakes, they're terrified. That, I mean, it is. they have PTSD every time there's a shake or a rattle, a door slams shut. They just, it, it rocks them so deeply. Same thing with people who've been around a volcano that explodes. So he gives these pictures here to engage their physical senses. And I know one time I took my older kids out, you know, when I was uh, in the FBI, 
I carried a gun. And so to show them uh, that a gun was dangerous and I didn't want them to get hurt with a gun, I took them out one time and put a watermelon up on a fence and I shot it. Well, that forty-five caliber bullet going out the back just splattered the back of that watermelon. It like exploded out the back, right? So it made a huge impression on my kids. Now imagine me sitting in the living room with my kids saying, okay, kids, you don't want to play with a gun. It's going to hurt you. It'll make a big hole in you. And, and, and trying to convey to them how bad it was. Well, no. What are they going to remember more? They're going to remember the picture of that watermelon going, wow, I don't want that to happen to me. Yeah. And so when you think about that, that's what this writer's doing here by taking them back because the children of Israel would have heard passed down from generations. This was so terrifying that Moses himself was afraid. It was so terrifying, they boundaried it off. And even if an animal crossed over it, he was killed. It was so terrifying that any man that crossed that boundary died. They would have known the story of Uzzah when he just touched the ark to help mm-hmm. it and was killed. So he presents this terrifying picture and says, this is Mount Sinai. If you run the performance race, this is where it leaves you because the law is where Mount Sinai was given. And the law was never meant to lead us into relationship with God. It was meant to lead us to a point of recognizing our need for his mercy, our need for his grace. The law paralyzes us. It, it kind of reveals sin to us that Paul says, I wouldn't know what it was, what sin was without the law. And it brings condemnation. And so Mount Zion, on the other hand, he goes through verse 22 and on to say, no, this is where you've come. It is a picture of grace. And all of a sudden, he starts using spiritual language. He takes them to spiritual places, talking about spiritual benefits. And the one thing about Mount Zion is it's right next to Mount Moriah. Now, what happened at Mount Moriah and Mount Zion right there at that spot? What happened in there? And Abraham and Isaac, the story well, of Abraham and, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac, yeah, but what else happened oh, there? Christ. Christ yeah. died. Yeah. And and so what is the image? What is God's emblem of love for his people? It's it's sending a, his son. It's a cross. Yeah. It's an execution instrument for his son. But that's Mount Zion. It's not our death. It's his son's death for us. And so the, the, the whole idea of what he's contrasting here is you can't approach God on Mount Sinai, but you can on Mount Zion. Now, uh, he says in his word a few things about Mount Zion. And, and I, when we come back, I want to explore this a little bit. But he says in 1 Kings fourteen twenty one that God put his name at Mount Zion. David's the one that named it, but that's where God says he put his name. He refers to it in Psalm 48, 2 as the joy of the earth. Mm. In uh, Psalm 132, 13 says it was God's chosen dwelling place, Zion. Not Mount Sinai. And so God gives them this picture that you can approach God on Sinai, but you can on Zion. And when we come back, I want to lay out the benefits of coming to God at Zion, running the faith race, and contrasting them and talking about that a little more. Okay. All right. We will be back with more after the break. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. 
If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Why you ever chose me has always been a Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are in Hebrews today and this week, chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. Uh, Today we're looking at verses 18 through 24 and talking about um, running the faith race. And we can either run the race of Mount Zion or the race of Mount Sinai. Um, So if you have any questions or would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's one eight four four triple seven SWAT, or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. <laughs> well, hey, uh, you asked a great question when we went to break about what does Mount Zion mean, um, and the the Hebrew word for Zion uh, can be translated as indication or marking. Hmm. Indication or marking. Now, here's what's interesting about that, that that's where God says, I want my name to dwell. It was also synonymous with Jerusalem. Yeah. Now, just a quick reminder for our listeners. I don't know if um, 
they were here with us. You may have not been here when we talked about Hebrews chapter 7, a guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek blessed Abraham at Mount Moriah. And when he blessed Abraham, God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you all these things, these promises. You're going to be blessed. Abraham's response was, how am I going to be blessed when I don't have a kid, I don't have a child? That was his response at Mount Moriah. Hmm. And so what does God do? He blesses him with uh, Melchizedek. Then Abraham goes to the Negev, which is the desert south of Jerusalem. God blesses him with a child. But then God says, Abraham, I want you to take your child, go back to Mount Moriah where you, what? You said, how am I going to be blessed? You were running a faith not a faith race, but a performance race there because you were not looking at me, Abraham. Then you were looking at the fact that you had no child. And he said, I want you to go back there and I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Now, this is another interesting fact for people if they don't know about Melchizedek. His name literally meant king of righteousness. He was the king of Salem, which was Jerusalem before it was Jerusalem. And my wife asked me the other day, why did God put a priest who was a king of righteousness in a pagan place? Because that's where God wanted his name to dwell. His name used for God in that passage in Genesis is El Elyon, which is it's kind of like the universal God. It's kind of like the God of all, the God of the whole creation. And so God put his name there, blessed Abraham. Abraham struggled. He was running the performance race. God sent him down to Negev, said, okay, now you got a child. Come bring him back. Offer him as a sacrifice. And when he went back and did that, God said, no, don't do it. Now you know and I know that you are running a faith race. Mm. You trusted me because over in Hebrews it says he knew he would bring him back from the dead, but God provided for him. For, for a sacrifice there. And so he was running to Mount Zion when he came back. Yeah. And so Mount Zion is about the spiritual, and God always elevates the spiritual over the the sensory and the physical. And so what we need to remember for this is Mount Sinai revealed the law. The law reveals sin. It brings condemnation. And our problem in our country is what we do is we try to give people the cure before they know they're sick. Mm-hmm. We want to give them forgiveness when they don't even think they've offended anybody. We want to give them love, uh, and they don't even know that they're in judgment. Yeah. We want to give them mercy before they ever worry about the wrath. And and people don't appreciate it, then they don't fully grasp what they have. So there's no forgiveness without law, no love without judgment, and there's no mercy without wrath. But without Christ, we end up at Mount Sinai. And he was trying to call that second and third group of people, come run the faith race. And so what he tells them in verses 22 through 24 is just for running the faith race, you get all these perks. First of all, he says in verse 22, you come to the city of God. That's a heavenly city. That is in God's presence. It's a, it's, a, it's the city, a place of dwelling that Abraham was looking forward to back in Hebrews 11, where it says, remember, he was looking forward to the city that God built the foundation. And so that's the first benefit. Second, it says angels are in festal gathering. In other words, they're having an angel party. 
Now, if you think about angels, one angel could wipe out 180,000 warriors. They were that powerful. Yeah. What kind of party do you think they could throw? <laughs> Have you ever been to a jamming party? I mean, one, I'm talking about a, a, a celebration. Like, people are like, going, this is awesome. Yeah. Well, they're throwing an angel party for the people running the faith race. What were the angels doing for people that came to Sinai? They would kill them if they mm. crossed up it. Very different. Yeah. One's a party. One's a killing. And so you don't want to be going to Sinai. You don't want to be depending upon yourself. You want to be going to Mount Zion. The third benefit is this. We're in the assembly of the firstborn. Verse 23 says those enrolled in heaven. When you sign up for a race here on earth, when we go sign up for like a race down at the beach or something, we sign up. We go and we put our name on the list. But in this one, it says your name was enrolled in heaven. Before the foundation of the world, Taylor Johnson's name was written in that race book for the faith race. Isn't that cool to think about? Yeah. That God wrote your name and my name down before the world began for us to run the faith race. And Satan keeps going, nah, don't do the faith race. Go to Sinai. Go over here. Because he didn't really love you anyway. He's not going to help you. And so we end up listening to him sometimes. And the writer was trying to prevent group one from having their witness destroyed by running a performance race as God's children. That's terrible because what we're doing is we're being a witness for the world instead of a witness mm. for Jesus. And so he says, no, you're going to be an assembly of the firstborn. Who was the firstborn? Jesus, right? Well, the fourth benefit in verse 23, he says, is an audience with God, God, the judge himself. If you went to God on Mount Sinai, you died but if you go to God on Zion, you live. Why? Because Christ has you. He's in front of you. You don't go by yourself. It's like you if you stand before God on Zion, I remember I was watching a movie one time. There's this mobster guy, and he was going to kill this guy that he thought was doing something to him or whatever. And the mobster's son came up and said, no, dad, 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 this is my friend. Mm. This guy saved my life. I mean, he's, you know, he's with me. And the mobster that was going to kill this guy, as soon as he heard that from his son, said, oh, okay, all right, okay, hmm. man, you're lucky, I almost killed you. And and the way it is with Jesus is when we're standing before God, Jesus steps in front of us and says, no, this one's with me. He's with me. In fact, we don't even stand before God judged like people who don't have Christ. Our judgment is only a judgment of our works, uh, uh, how faithful we were yeah. running the faith race. And so that's the uh, fourth benefit. Fifth benefit, he says, the Old Testament saints made perfect. We're there, there with Abraham, Samson, David, all these guys who were in the Old Testament. And these Old Testament saints, it says they were made perfect. How? Through Christ looking forward. And then the sixth benefit is we're with Jesus, our mediator. Can you imagine that day you finish the race and he's sitting there and he's got there to wrap his arms around you? I mean, I just picture a kid coming home from fighting in Afghanistan mm. and his dad waiting for him to step off that plane and he, he embraces him and says, welcome home, son. I mean, we're in a war. We don't live like we're in a war, but we're in a spiritual war every day and it's going to be a great thing. 
to just step in front of him. And, and four or five SWAT guys have already made that transition. Mm. And they ran the faith race. And, man, I can't imagine what it felt like to have Jesus wrap his arms and say, welcome home. And then the last benefit in verse 24 is the sprinkled blood. And that always symbolized cleanliness. The sprinkled blood, it, it was a symbol of cleanliness. And so he's saying, you're forgiven. You're clean. And, and the blood of animals only covered the sin partially, but Jesus' blood covered it eternally. So those are the benefits, the city of God, angel party, assembly of the firstborn, audience with God, Old Testament saints are going to be there with us, and Jesus himself will be there, our mediator, and then we're going to be forgiven. We don't have to worry about those things you and I feel now when we blow it. Yeah. And even though we know we're forgiven, we won't sense that at all up there. It'll be gone. And so tomorrow when we come back, uh, we're going to look at the two responses to that message that he's given, which race are we running, and we're going to see the two results that we can know, I mean, that we can have. Uh, we're going to have to make a response, and then we're going to have to live with the results. And so that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow when we come back. All right, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, Before we go, we'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, and those of you listening here locally at 91.7 here in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia. Um, You have been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to go out and vote. Uh, today with the time that you have left. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening 